Stephen, lovely to have you in. We were just talking off air. We're getting all sorted for Easter. The Easter bunny's going to come soon. Good time to have some chocolates. Good time to have Well, Sunday's chocolate time, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it starts a little so, early in so my house. You've, you've eaten all your Easter eggs already, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I've just a I used to do that as a kid. Yeah, <laughs> I just haven't grown out of the kid phase. Yeah, we, we, we buy some at work, some of those little ones, and I noticed that at least a packet a day goes through. That's if they're sitting around. They yeah. just, people just... Exactly mm. right. Mm. So, Stephen, looking at the currency and commodities to kick us off with. Yeah, the gold, the gold price was down $52 an ounce to $2,216. Um, so we're, you, all you gold people are a bit like gold hoarders are a bit poorer this week. Like <laughs> you, like you. And the oil price was up $4.54 a barrel to $84.29. Uh, the currencies, um, a bit of a mixed bag around the world. Uh, the Australian dollar was against the US dollar was 75.98 cents. Against the Great British Pound, we're 55.29 pence. And against the euro, we're 64.84 euro cents. Uh, uh, we're not doing much travelling anyhow. So No, uh, it's not really not, affecting no, many of us at the moment, is it? Not really. Although the import should be dropping a bit in price. Um, and the all-ordinaries market was um, down 56 on the week to 7,016. The S&P 500 was up 63.4 to 3,972. And the UK FTSE was up 38.8 to 6,713. Some stocks that local investors are interested in. Uh, BHP was up 42 cents to $45.30. CBA was down 44 cents to $86.10. And NIB was down 11 cents to $5.23. The fuel prices, which people are using this weekend, Travelling here, there, and everywhere. most definitely double demerits are already uh, taking are into effect. So yeah, so if you've you're lost some points now, already. <laughs> I was extra conscious driving uh, to work, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so that's always a worry. Um, the fuel price in Newcastle, a dollar thirty-nine point three. Uh, Sydney, a dollar thirty-five point six. So pretty much the same as last week. Mm. Uh, the diesel price in Newcastle, a dollar thirty-five point two, and in Sydney, a dollar thirty-five point. $1.32.2. So once again, pretty much the same as yeah, Newcastle. Yeah, pretty, yep, pretty yep. similar. Very so similar. You might find it increases in the next day or so. so. Oh, pessimist there. That's what Jane's theory <laughs> yeah, is. Yes, it is. Yes, yeah, it so is. we could fill up then. <laughs> We're talking Thursday finance with Stephen Pritchard. And Stephen, it's that time where we uh, cross over to Henry Jennings and uh, have a look at some of the things that are happening in the market. Hi, Henry. Hello, Stephen. How are you? I'm good. Have you had any chocolate Easter eggs yet, Henry? I haven't. No. 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 I haven't even been tempted yet. So, so much willpower. It, it is it's, early. It's not that early. Sarah's well, eaten all hers not, and has to go and buy. Yet. Sarah's eaten all hers and has to go and buy another lot. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's the start of the Easter long weekend, so it's. I've, I think I've been very disciplined waiting until today. I'm sure you have. Mm. <laughs> so, so ADL seems to be going to split their business into two. They are. Yes. They, they're going to go, at the moment they're just brown, mm-hmm. and now they're going to split into brown and green. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a brown AGL, which is going to be the old coal-fired power stations, and there's going to be a green AGL, which is going to be the retail and the renewables side of things. The theory is, I'm not sure whether this will work, but the theory is that many investors are put off investing in AGL because of ESG issues, 
environmental and social governance issues, so they, they don't want to play in dirty coal businesses. Mm-hmm. So the move to separate the colours is the answer. But if you mix brown and green, you usually end up with a muddy mess. I was thinking what happens when you mix brown and green. You end it's up with a brownie nice. green. But does it actually does it actually work, though? Because um, they're still <laughs> go, they're still going to have their retail business... And I assume they're still going to sell um, power mm. from whichever source is the cheapest. Mm. So isn't the green business still going to be brown? Uh, <laughs> I think the green business is going to have a, certainly a hint of brown. A hint of brown. Uh, I think there's going to be some brown in there. <laughs> very muddy, a very muddy green. <laughs> it's very muddy green, but they're obviously hoping that this is the panacea they need to arrest the share price debacle. Um, yeah, well... (laughs) Well, it remains to be seen. And we're not sure how the mechanism's going to work, but certainly that is the plan coming out of their latest strategy day. But, you know, the stock's been under pressure for such a long time through uh, some various issues with mispricing and contracts, etc., which haven't really helped. So it hasn't been a good ride for AGL shareholders, that's for sure. Yeah, so anyhow, um, yeah, they had to write off two billion on their green business mm, in the half did. year. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> non-cash item, <laughs> though, Stephen, I'm sure. Yeah, well, it might have been non-cash item in that period, but at some stage it was a cash item. I know, I know. It's, I love these non-cash items. Fantastic. Non-cash items were always a cash item at some stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Somebody else went as the CEO, though. Oh, uh, yeah, well, that's right. Somebody uh, else did stuff up. Mm. Um, and Maggie, Maggie Beer, so she's going to buy a hampers and gifts business. Yeah, I think that's the idea. So uh, Maggie Beer, I guess, has been one of the one of the winners from uh, COVID, mm-hmm. and they've seen a, an explosion of their online business, and they're trying to leverage that online business with this move into to hampers online, uh, which supply. Um, well, they do what they say on the box, or they do what they say on the hamper. They supply hampers to people with uh, good quality products, uh, nice big fat markups. So uh, Maggie wants a slice of this particular pie. So we'll wait and see how it works out. But certainly the stock's done pretty well over COVID, um, and um, it's um, it's doing okay after that announcement as well. So there we go. Who said that you're too old to learn new tricks? Yeah, I mean, there seems to be a lot of companies supplying these hampers now. I thought she did mm. her own hampers anyway. Mm. So uh, Yeah, I, I, you know, I think it's quite big business, actually. There's lots of um, corporates that do it, but also, you know, lots of people buy them for various reasons and gifts, etc. So these guys seem to be on the, on the hamper train. Her plum and Shiraz paste is amazing. I might get some. <laughs> yeah, it is. It really is. Do you is. have that with chocolate? <laughs> you can. Yes. Yeah, there we go. Or some cheese and crackers. Yes. Best tip of the day. Well, the, the, the most, uh, the most uh, secret secrets all come out today that the uh, AMPCA is going to resign. Yes, the Ferrari has left the garage. Ferrari has left the garage. So the CEO, Francesco de Ferrari, has finally, uh, I don't know if he fell on his sword... Um, or um, or was pushed onto the same sword, but he is leaving. Um, it's been widely rumoured for some time, and it's all been a bit of a debacle round at AMP, I have to say, um, in the last couple of... In fact, not the last couple of weeks, the last couple of years, really. Um, and this is just the culmination in that debacle, but I'm sure he's organised himself um, a nice little exit package. Um, 
He's uh, siphoning off uh, 300 grand in payments for additional work, 200 grand refund in reimbursement of relocation costs from Singapore. Um, so yeah, he's, he's he will, he'll do all right. Yeah, you, you have to wonder what the board's actually doing at AMP. I mean, they have a board. Well, you know, I don't know what they're doing. No, it, it's very strange. But the, the poor guy, he, he arrived and, and mm. had these big plans, these big strategy plans to turn the company around. And then as soon as he announced those, they said, no, actually, we're going to sell bits of the company. Uh, and it's, and it's then just, they've just done that. And it's just been chopping off the good bits and leaving the bad bits. Well, of course, the best bits are always the easiest bits to sell. I know. We know that. So, yes. So, <laughs> so he's had a pretty much an uphill struggle. So I think really and truly you've got to feel... I was going to say a little sorry for the guy, but he's going to walk, walk away with a reasonable amount of money, so um, I don't feel that sorry for him. I'm sure he'll pop up somewhere else with another um, another challenge to turn another um, dog around, but this, this particular dog is now going to be led by um, Alexis George, who was uh, formerly with ANZ, so yes, we'll see how yeah, she goes. I mean, it's amazing that AMP would not... Not that long ago was the largest financial institution in Australia. In, in the nineteen nineties, it rescued Westpac. I mean, it, it, I know. It, it couldn't rescue your local credit union. No? I know it's funny, isn't it? In the nineteen nineties, not only did the AMP rescue Westpac, but also Kerry Packer, from memory, two dollars fifty yep. Westpac did yep. uh, did the rights issue out. And um, look how Jamie's um, fortunes mm. have fallen. And together with the AMP, I think when you look at the Sydney skyline and you look at Circular Quay. You see this relic of the 60s and 70s, mm. which is the AMP building, and I think that is a fantastic metaphor for the company itself, mm-hmm. unfortunately. And we'll come along and talk about Santos in a minute. Sure. Okay. Getting a weekly market update uh, with Henry Jennings at the moment. Uh, Henry, so uh, Santos is going to build a $4.7 billion investment in the Barossa gas field. It's a significant investment, one of the biggest investments into a gas project for a long, long time. So $4.7 billion, that's between Santos and its partners. Um, so they're going to be using gas from a field around 300 kilometres north of Darwin. Uh, we'll create 600 initial construction jobs as well. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a big move, a big commitment. Um, it does trigger a number of other issues with some of its partners, but... Um, probably a little complicated to go into here, but certainly it shows some serious intent from Santos, that's for sure. I wonder if AGL will be the brown business or the green business will be buying the gas. That might be the purple business. Purple, okay. They might try and get into the purple patch with that business. Okay, and so the other secret, um, Tab Corp's uh, now going to undertake a strategic review after rejecting (laughs) a $3 billion bid. Um, this is another one that's sort of uh, in the wind at the moment. Tabcorp um, is looking at um, some sort of deal to either sell or demerge its wagering division to try and extract maximum value. Um, it's had a number of offers. None of them seem to have come close. So as a result, they've said, you know what, we'll, um, we'll continue along our merry way and we'll sort out the, um, the details of the, with this strategic review. Lurking in the background is a gentleman by the name of Matthew Tripp, who is a bit of a a bit of a guru, a gun in the sports betting market, and he's really keen to um, to get his hands on that wagering business. Uh, News Corp as well, just to muddy the waters, are keen to buy a wagering business, sports betting. So, um, And Matthew Tripp has a big shareholding in a stock called Betmakers, which is 
um, the guys that provide the infrastructure to enable uh, wagering businesses. So it's it's interesting, that's for sure. That there's going to be something that comes out of it. But um, at the moment, Tabcorp are going with their strategic review rather than selling the business. But it certainly is the jewel in the crown uh, for Tabcorp. Mm, so you know, are they going to bring in, are they going to bring in external consultants to do the job the board's supposed to be doing? I'm sure they will. I'm sure they will. What, what's what's the use of a strategic review without an external consultant mm. with their heads well and truly in the trough? Mm. Yes, we saw that at A2 Milk, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and Treasury Wines Estates um, going to take two to three years to build up alternate markets after yeah. the Chinese tariff of 175.6. Yeah, the, the Chinese formally announced that they would be bringing in these tariffs for quite a long time as well. I think it's five years, the period, and the tariffs range from, as you say, around 170-odd percent to about 220, so let's call it double. So it pretty much rules out um, Penfolds and the other high-end wines into China, so they've got to look for other markets. Um, and that's not as easy. They have, I guess they have made inroads by shipping some of their... Um, Napa Valley wines to China, which aren't subject to the same tariffs, uh, and they are calling some of the Napa Valley wines Penfolds. So um, I guess that, that that could be the way to circumvent it, is to create those premium wines in the Napa and sell them to China um, and get around it, but I'm not sure the American wines are going to go much better in the long term than Australia's because um, there still seems to be a significant amount of angst between the America and um, and China currently, and of course we've been caught in the crossfire, as they say. So, yeah, it's going to take them a little while, and all the time there is a potential takeover bid lurking in the background. It's possible that one of the big international drinks group will see this as an opportunity to uh, to grab a treasury. We'll wait and see. But or maybe uh, even a Chinese company. Well, that it wouldn't be the first time, would it? No, like, it wouldn't be the first time. I seem to remember Bellamy's. Had yes, some I was issues. thinking of Bellamy's. Yes. Yeah, yeah, Bellamy's had some issues up there, and then um, the stock got hammered, and then remarkably the Chinese took it over, and we've never heard from any problems ever again. Hmm, surprising so, that, isn't it? Hmm. Yeah, it can be tricky. The Communist Party up there. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Henry. Thank you, Stephen. And uh, thanks for coming along to our shows. Um, It's always a pleasure. Um, Because today's the last one. It is. It's our last Thursday finance. Uh, How many years did you say you've been doing the program? I think we've been doing it since 1996. Wow. What's that, 24? 24 something years. Yeah. Wow. Look, we're going to open up uh, the phones as well if you do have uh, any questions for Stephen in regards to finance. 49216216. We would love to hear from you. And Stephen, when we come back in a minute, we're going to be looking at emergency funds, obviously very timely. Very timely after the floods. Mm, A lot of people needing those funds. And Stephen, a lot of people have really suffered after the floods and a lot of people that were already struggling after drought and bushfires. So well, we've had the droughts, we've had the bushfires, we've had floods. We've had everything in this wonderful country of ours. <laughs> now we've got Easter. So emergency So funds. I thought we'd talk about emergency funds and, and, and how you should kind of set up a bit of an emergency fund um, for, for unexpected um, costs that that come along So regularly. everyone should have so everyone one of these funds. So everyone should have a bit of an emergency fund, I think, yeah. Does yeah. it have to be a separate fund? To... Um, basically, you know, we, we, you'd put it in a separate account right. so it doesn't doesn't get um, mixed up. With, okay. Uh, and preferably not an account that's linked to your credit card or your debit card. 
Yeah, sure. So you're using your own actual money when, yes. when it comes down to so it. So to stop you spending it as well. So, you know, you need you need to – I think why you need emergency funds, some of the things that come up unexpectedly, um, like um, you've got um, car repairs, um, medical expenses unexpectedly, and then, and then if you kind of have um, – um, something happens to you, like uh, you know, have an accident or, or you have an illness, and yeah, yeah, you might have um, um, sickness and accident insurance under your um, your superannuation, or you might have taken a, some kind of income protection insurance out. Um, but they've all got waiting periods, so so, so um, quite often the waiting period is sixty days. So how are you going to meet all your all your expenses in those um, sixty days? You've still got to you've still got to eat, and you've still got to um, pay your rent or your mortgage payments. And and, and it's a good point, Stephen, because a lot of people, you know, they budget uh, weekly or fortnightly and there's not a lot left after, um, you know, the budget. And even your car, you know, if the clutch goes like mm-hmm. it did on us the other week, $1,000 can dollars? be there, you know, there there it is straight away. And you, you just think, pull that no, out of your, your... The Easter fund, yeah. Yeah, the Easter fund. But, I mean, that's right. So there's the... the you I need mean, the backup. Uh, as I keep explaining to my son, cars are expensive, my they friend. Are. You know, you had to get a... What do you have to get? You had to get something repaired. Uh, um, the the locking, the central locking, and that cost him $1,400. Oh, my Godfather. Everything's so dear. Yeah, cars are expensive. Yeah, I had yeah. to get four new wheels the other day because clearly I'm a rev head. Yeah, and how much do they cost? Uh, 800 Each. <laughs> no. Oh, you mean just four. the tyres? Yeah, the tyres. I thought yeah. you meant the whole... Oh, no, just nah. the tyres. Oh, okay. Yeah, so these unexpected expenses come along, um, you know, car repairs, um, you know, that you might need to get a new fridge or something, um, all these, and you need to put some money away so you can finance these. Okay. We've got a call. We do. We'll just go to Graham, uh, who's got a question on taxation money received after turning 60. Graham, what's your question for Stephen? Uh, good day, Stephen. Hi, Graham. How are you? I'm good. That's good. Um, so over sixty, say so I was retired, not retired yet, but say so I was retired. Um, just wondering whether any any of the funds that I would receive from a super payout would they be included in my assessable income when I'm filling out my tax returns for the year? Uh, maybe. It's not a, it's, <laughs> I it's got not, the impression the answer was going to be maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know so, what those maybe so are. what what do you mean by a super payout? Well, is it, is it different if I take it as a lump sum or as a super pension or an annuity? Um, yep. Um, so and it depends on the type of fund. So what what you need to do is you need to either go and get some advice or you need to go. The first stage, and if you're going to get advice, you need to do this anyhow. You need to go to the superannuation fund. Um, so, what sort of a fund is it? Uh, defined contributions fund. Yeah, so it's it's not an old government fund. No, correct, it's not. Okay, so it's just a, a, a just an accumulation, a normal accumulation type fund. Okay, so what you need to do is go along to the fund, ask them what the the breakup of the components in the fund are. Um, and and that will give you some idea of um, what tax liabilities sit in there, if any. Um, if you take the benefit out as a pension and you're above the the, the age, um, the pension will come out tax free. Lump sum depends on the components that's actually sit within the fund. So the first step is to go along to the fund and ask them what what your benefit components are. So is that 
I mean, a complaint is that is that a, a short list of things like there's. Yeah, there'll be concessional components and maybe untaxed components. It, it, it all depends on how the money ended up in the fund. Yeah. The fund will be able to give it to you. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And then you can ask them what are your options of what, what options the fund provides for paying, um, what, what payment benefits, what options the fund have, has got for paying the benefits out. Some, some will have a pension option and others will just want to pay a lump sum. Right, okay. So that's your first stops to go to the fund. Okay. All right, Graham. Good luck with that, and thank you for your call. Uh, it is Thursday Finance. We've been talking about emergency funds now, and I think we've sort of identified various reasons why you may need them, um, including a lot of people, you know, losing their jobs during COVID nineteen, or you might have to leave your job for a certain reason. But look, how much money are we needing for an emergency fund, Stephen? Where do you even begin to know how much to put in a fund well, like this? Well, as a rule of thumb, you probably need you probably need three months, I would say. Three months, months of, of your normal mortgage exp- repayments or your rent. Normal expenses, so okay. probably three months' salary. Three, okay, three months' salary. I actually thought that's how much you meant to um, put in to buy an engagement ring. I thought that was the rule. Though was that six I thought months? it was three weeks. Oh, come on. Is that why your engagement not that ring's so big there? Well, that, that isn't actually even the engagement ring. This is my mum's rings. <laughs> engagement ring's so big it can't go on your finger. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Actually, I think it was 12 months of wages for an engagement ring. Uh, anyway, I digress. 12 days. Anyhow. So three, so uh, to survive. So, so basically say three months is a good is a good calculation. So so if you've got a, a, an income protection policy, often they've got 60 days waiting period, so you need to fund that. Um, and there's various other bits and expenses that come along. So three months is a good start. Okay. And so for people that are only just sort of making their fortnightly repayments, how do you then begin to save um, if you've got a, a if you've If you've got an offset account um, with your homeland, I, I reckon that's the place to put your put your emergency fund. And you can start it with... You can start it with an amount of, of you know, you know, ten dollars a week or, or fifteen dollars a week. I mean, ten dollars a week see, uh, appears to be about two cappuccinos now. They seem to have gone above five dollars lately. Yeah, look, it is. So it can be just as simple as going, yeah. you know, Tuesday, Thursdays. I'm not buying a cappuccino, or you may only buy it once a week. But getting rid of, you know, yeah. those little things that and, you might and, not you know, need. Just, just, just t- t- take it out of your money before you start spending it. Um, yeah. That's the old pay you pay yourself sir. So yeah, if you would decide you want to, you know, you put your ten or fifteen dollars a week into this emergency fund, take your ten or fifteen dollars a week out of your your, your wages before you even uh, go to spend it, and you won't even notice it. It's such a good rule because you know you spend what you've got, don't you? And whether you get a pay increase or you got less, you just seem to spend what you've got. So you really do. As soon as you need to get paid, you know, got paid yesterday. The first thing I do is grab it, move and it, spend it. No, no, I get I put it, you know, put it into the the mortgage. Yeah, that's right. Um, and and your two te- your two cappuccinos a week will give you five hundred and twenty dollars a year. God, that's all right when you start looking at uh, it like that, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, look, your three cappuccinos. You know, if you're having if you're having two cappuccinos a day, no. Well, Who so, does lo- that? Lots of people, Some do, people that. do. I just go down to Beaumont Street. You, you go down in the morning. And then you go down at lunchtime. It's the same people in the coffee shop. I don't know what they do. They, 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 <laughs> I'm sure that I'm sure they're having more than two a Drink day. Drink coffee. So, yeah. so that's two a day's uh, two and a half thousand for the year. 
Wow. So if you if you're drinking um, two cappuccinos, uh, that gives you two and a half. So so basically, small amounts of money starts small. Sp- start small will accumulate if it's done regularly, and and you and you stick to it. Now, Stephen, this may seem like a silly question, but how do you know when to use your emergency funds? You know, what if it is just the tyres? You think, oh, you know, on the car replacing. Well, tires, emergency I- funds there for things like that. So, so should you should you always? So I, I would have thought that? the emergency fund, unless of course you are a redhead, redhead like you, and you know you have to get new tyres each month. Um, the emergency funds there for things to help you pay for things that come up irregularly, and and you know you haven't got any other money. So if you need a new set of tyres, um, you know the kids' bikes got stolen and you can't go to school any other ways, and you have to buy them a new bike. Um, uh, um, you know the the, the washing machines. Keep it for a need. Keep not it a for want. a need. It's not supposed to be there to fund your day to day or week to week expenses. It's to, to help you pay for things that come up as an emergency that you that you need to you need to um, pay for. Do you find that a lot of people don't have emergency funds because they are relying on insurances? Which, as we uh, know, yeah, often people don't people work. rely on insurance, but they don't. You know, we don't need that because we've got income protection insurance well all income protection insurance has got some waiting period i mean yours might only be seven days but but even so you know by the time you you put the claim in and you know, yeah. process this you they might pay you from the seven days but i can guarantee you won't get the money in seven days and 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 if and most people don't actually have seven days waiting period on the income protection insurance because the high the shorter the waiting period the higher the premium. So what you'll yeah, find is most people will think, oh, well, we really don't need this. Um, we want to save the premiums and we'll traditionally have a 30 or 60-day waiting period, which is fair enough as long as you make provision for for your living expenses in the in the meantime. Okay. Some really interesting stuff. Well, Stephen, we're just about out of time. This was the last Thursday last... finance. Thank you for all of the advice you've given. I know you've got me to even start saving, which I have. is a miracle in really? itself. Yeah, you you made me pay myself first. So some some amazing advice that you've given okay. throughout the years. Well that's an achievement, Sarah. <laughs> it is an achievement. Very much so.